Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor. And the John Stockton to his Carl Malone, Jake. Gives you sports betting tips. I am Professor Sides. You can follow me on Twitter at Professor Sides. You can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today's episode covers the basketball classic and NIT semifinals played on March 28th and 29th, 2022. In case you're new here, I built a mathematical model that predicts what the spread and total should be for every Division I college basketball game. And as I go through the plays, remember, there are no locks in gambling, so I'll give you our loves, likes, and leans. However, please remember that good and bad variants will occur, so as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Uh, Jake, we had a fantastic Thursday, and then I think Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we each went 500, which is impressive because we didn't just pick the same thing, but on like one game maybe. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy that it played out that way. Yeah, it was, it was kind of wild. The, like, the Elite Eight was, I mean, besides the Houston-Villanova game, was just terrible games to watch. Like they were just all well in the bag, got maybe a good half out of Miami. But other than that, it was it was a rough rough go of it there. Yeah, that's, that second half for Kansas was maybe the best ba- half of basketball by a team I think I might have ever seen. I mean, that was incredible. I'm sure there's some other ones that are up in there. I mean, but that was just something, especially this late in the tournament, right? Not just a regular random season, regular season game, but at, at this stage to just destroy a team like that was the Kansas we all thought we might see that we hadn't really seen much of this tournament, right? And that killer yeah. instinct really came out in them in that half. Yeah, I don't know what Laranaga was thinking they hit what like four full court passes for layups. Like at some point, you just got to tell somebody just stand back when the shot goes up. But yeah, that was wild to me. Yeah, just an incredible performance by Kansas there. And and you mentioned the quality of the games. I was thinking actually last night. I was like, I feel like I didn't see much of the Elite Eight games. And then I'm like looking back, thinking about. I'm like. I think it's because I was kind of distracted because I was like, this isn't really that interesting. And so it just didn't feel like I saw much because most of the games weren't that exciting. And so I was just doing other things and dealing with other <laughs> life things because for the most part, it didn't it didn't capture my attention like we yeah. hoped the games could have, you know? Yeah, yeah. It just was like, I don't know, you got a, a first quarter, good first quarter out of Arkansas, a good first half, and then this North Carolina game was never in doubt. Right. And so it was just... It was rough for Elite Eight. The Sweet 16 was a lot of fun, Yeah, but Elite Eight was rough. Yep. I uh, went 5-8 and eight on the eight plays last week, so that was a lot of fun. I've got another one for you later in this episode. And before we get to the Slate Reminder, please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. Subscribe or follow if you aren't yet. It's the only way to ensure you don't miss any of the college basketball, MLB, or college football content that this channel provides. Share with a friend if you know others in the game. Drop a comment on Twitter or YouTube. We love those. and try to respond to as many as we can. Monday here tonight, we've got Coastal Carolina at South Alabama in the first semifinal for the Basketball Classic. South Alabama is a two-and-a-half-point favorite with a total of 137. Jake, we've got some fun belt action for you here, a, a rematch. I didn't even look. Hopefully, you'll talk about how these teams played each other in the regular season. I didn't actually look back at that. To see a conference game this late is kind of weird. I, I don't think there are any other conference rematches coming up at any other semifinals. Was, I think it's just this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah just this one. Just this one, exactly. So uh, we'll see how, how we'll talk about that. Uh, I'm staying away from the side specifically because um, while I've enjoyed backing both of these teams, South Alabama um, has really underperformed my numbers as of late, so I don't really know what to make of that. Uh, I make them a 3.1 point favorite. I do think the better the better team, I do give them um, the edge here to win, especially at home. But uh, I, I'm not really that comfortable with either of the sides. So personally, I'm going to uh, take the over instead, over 137 and a half for a B play. The model thinks 
139.3. I personally think this game gets into the 140s. Coastal put up 84 last game. South Alabama put up 83. I don't quite expect that many points, but both have a better offense than defense. Neither team wants to slow it down. And I think that is the key here because that can avoid a long scoreless streak. This is a semifinal, but it is still a meaningless tournament. It's one that most of these games are only on ESPN+. There's not a lot of fans in the stands. I, I just I don't see the defensive intensity coming here to keep this in the 120s or 130s. And so I think these teams are just going to go out there and play, let it, let it rip, have some fun. And I think that's going to get us over 137 and a half. Jake, can South Alabama win by three or more? Uh, no, I don't think they can in this one. Um, they didn't win the first one at Coastal Carolina by three. It was a 71 to 68 game. Very, very tight game. Um, played back and forth, but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with the defensive intensity and all that is just not there when there's not as much like crowd interaction. I know like when you get close to a championship, things might pick up a little bit more in these little off tournaments, but I just, I don't think it'll quite be there for South Alabama, and I think they'll need it. Um, Coastal was playing fairly well towards the end of the year. They dropped they dropped a few ones, and then uh, they lost. A, it was pretty close on the Georgia Southern in the ter- in their conference tournament. But I, I just think they've got a more balanced offense and a little more uh, more good shooters than the South Alabama has, and I think that'll put them over the edge, especially in uh, with a small number getting. I think it'll be a very tight game, but getting the two and a half will be very nice here. I think they probably lean them to win, but I think Coastal Carolina's got this one. All righty, all righty. And then the other semifinal game, we've got Southern Utah at Fresno State. That'll tip at 10 Eastern. Fresno State is a seven and a half point favorite. My model actually makes it exactly Fresno State minus seven and a half. So I'm passing on the side here as well. I'm going to go back to an over, over 136 and a half for a B play. The model says 138.1. Fresno State is a fascinating team to cover here with regards to their pace. I covered this last time Fresno State played. This is their third tournament game. And in their last game, I said, hey, that first game was so out of character to their pace. I still like the under. They play at a snail's pace. And then they did the same thing against Youngstown as they did in that first game where they just went up and down the court. Very uncharacteristic of what they did all season. We know Southern Utah is comfortable playing a high-scoring game. And so if this is what Fresno is going to do, I say we roll with it. The only reason this isn't an A play is because it's only two games playing at this reckless style for Fresno State. But we know we have to adjust fast to teams changing up their style in these postseason games below the NCAAs, right? When you get to the NIT, the CBI, all these things. Sometimes teams just change the way they play and they say, this is what we want to do going forward or this is – something that we're interested in, you know, experimenting with or whatever. We know not all teams do that, but some do. And these two games, Fresno has just done the exact opposite of what they did all season long. And so if they play anything remotely like those first two games, instead of their snail pace, instead of their one of the slowest team, you know, yeah. bottom five in pace in the NCAA uh, regular season, this game's going to go flying over the total. And so I'm going to trust that they're going to keep playing that way. Like I said, Southern Utah definitely wants to play that style anyway. And so I'm going to go over 136 and a half with a B play. Uh, Jake Fresno State, definitely the better team here. Uh, Southern Utah overmatched. The only question is, can they keep it close or does Fresno State just run away with it? I think they do. And I kind of like this new pace for him. It, it really helps Orlando Robinson out. It gives him 
I mean, the more times you can give a guy that's averaging almost 20 points at a slow pace, the more times you give him the ball, the better he's going to look. Um, so I really like this little faster pace they're running. But you're, you're right. It's it's hard to judge. I like Fresno State here. They're Like you said, they're a much better team. But it's, it's hard to gauge because, like, in the regular season and everything, they were a slow place, very defensive, heavy team. And now it's the complete opposite. So it's kind of questionable. But so I lean Fresno State here. I, th- I think they get it done. That They've got the better players. They've got the better talent. And I wouldn't be surprised if this coach flipped the script and went back to that very slow pace to counter out, counteract Southern Utah if he's just toying with things or maybe he's toying with the whole new system. But we'll, we'll see. It should be an interesting game. I, don't, I won't know if I'll call it. Qualified as fun to watch, but it should be interesting at least. And you make a good point. That's why I said this is not an A play. Because if if I knew that Fresno State was going to do anything like before, I would say it's an A play. But there's just that back of my mind. I'm like, I can't make this an A play just because you're right. They may flip back and all of a sudden go with a snail space again. And at that point, I still think we got a chance at the over. But it's not it's not a pick I love anymore if they start slowing it down. So I mentioned this last game with Fresno. I, I really don't know when a live bet. It's really tough to say, and every game plays out differently. Every game's its own entity, so it's not as simple as after the under four, after the under eight, whatever. You know, jump in the live bet. But I, I think last time, I mean, we knew midway through that first half, and I think the same thing. We're going to know relatively early on the pace on this with what Fresno State's trying to do. Like I said, it may not, it may not be after four. So I caution you there because you just first four minutes, you just never know. But under eight, under twelve, for sure by under sixteen, I think we'll have a pretty good idea of what type yeah. of pace. Uh, Fresno wants to go out, go out and play at, and uh, it, the the interesting thing is, I think if you like the over, and this doesn't always this doesn't always work in college basketball. It works more in college football because in football there are fewer scores, and so people always talk about how the side and the total are correlated. That doesn't really hold in basketball because in basketball there are so many scores that you just got to take a couple away, and that flips you from over or under or which side covers when there's you know thirty some odd buckets being made by each team in a game. But in football, when you only get five or six scores, like one touchdown matters a lot and is, and is a lot a lot more impactful in a game. And so in football, if you have a big favorite, a big favorite's usually more correlated with the over and a big underdog's more correlated with an under. That doesn't hold a lot in college basketball, but I think it does in this game because we saw Fresno State and Youngstown. Youngstown was up at the half uh, or up around the half, hanging in there with Fresno. And then Fresno, with this fast pace, just flipped the switch and all of a sudden ran out and took a huge lead. Now, Fresno wasn't able to cover that giant number, but they won by nine. Nine would cover this number. And so I think if Fresno pay, plays at that fast pace, they have a much better chance of covering this because they can just go up and down and score, go on that 10-0 run really quickly. If Fresno State decides to play it slower, that's where I'm a little bit more nervous about them covering. So, yeah, a lot a lot happening here in a game that a lot going to be determined on how what Fresno State does. So if anybody knows that coach, call him up, knows a player, right? If you get some inside information, you probably got the inside track here to profiting off of that game. I never thought we'd talk so much about a Southern Utah basketball game. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> the NIT semifinals are on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, still at Madison Square Garden, for now, uh, soon to be somewhere else. I guess everybody's putting bids yeah. in. Uh, St. Bonaventure versus Xavier. St. Bonaventure is a two-point favorite, uh, total of 145. The model thinks this is a pick um, I'm passing on the side. My numbers have missed on both of these teams lately. And so if you look just at the model, you might see that Xavier's the side. I really don't know. They might be. Uh, but what I've missed on both teams, it's just stay away more. It becomes more of a toss up. So I just personally, from my angle, I don't like either side here. I'm looking at the total. 
unlike the previous two games we talked about in a tournament that didn't even exist last year, the NIT means something, especially when you get to Madison Square Garden. And we talked about that defensive intensity as you get closer to a championship. I think it does pick up in a tournament like the NIT because these guys want to win the NIT. Like you get t-shirts made about that. You get a trophy that people are quasi interested in, right? It's not the NCAAs, but it's, it has a little bit of meaning. Some schools have banners. Some schools hang banners. I think almost every, I think if you win the NIT, I think every school's going to hang a banner other than like UCLA might not, right? Like they might be like, I would have room for it. But yeah, I think if you win the NIT, most schools hang a banner for that. Uh, I mean, to be fair, they might hang a banner for the other one too, depending on how desperate you are, but that's a whole other (laughs) conversation. We see the defensive intensity pick up here. We see the new gym, right? And we saw this in the weekend games in the big dance here, how that can favor unders. And so I'm going to go under 145 and a half with the B play. The model thinks 138. I see this game having a hard time getting into the 140s without something really weird happening or overtime. Um, Xavier has been more uh, over my numbers as of late. St. Bonaventure has been more under. I think that balances out. I really trust my number here of 138. I think that's a more accurate number than 140 and a half. I think it's just way too high. Neither team is really fast pace neither team's really like all offense no defense and i think that's what you need to get over in a neutral site nit semifinal game i expect a slow start and i expect a timid second half i expect the second half i expect this game to be relatively tight it seems to be really careful with the ball making sure they take that extra pass to get the good shot and that's going to lead to fewer possessions and fewer possessions spells good things for the under so b play for me under 145 140.5 Jake, are you flipping the script and backing a St. Bonaventure team that I swear we faded like a hundred times this season? Don't check the math on me on that one. I'm pretty sure it's like a hundred. Yeah, yeah, I actually am. I like the St. Bonaventure team. I like this matchup. Xavier has struggled with uh, teams that have very good guards. Um, that like, if you go back to the Big East tournament and the Big East like conferences, like they struggle with Villanova and Creighton and. Uh, St. John's even, and just teams that have very good guards, guys that can handle the ball, and that's what St. Bonaventure's loaded with. And as we've talked about in the 100 times we faded them, they don't come off the floor. Like, unless there's an injury or foul trouble, they, they stay out there. They're averaging 30 minutes a game on the season. I don't know what that is at the end of the season, but that's just insane that they're going 30 minutes a game for almost 40 games. Um, so this is, like, I, I really think – that St. Bonaventure is just going to be the exact poison pill for Xavier. It's going to cause uh, Fremantle and Nun or Naji uh, to step out and get out of their little comfort zone. And if those guys aren't dominating the glass, as we've seen them just forget to do at times, I think Bonaventure will win this one fairly easy. Um, I know, I know, you mentioned the new gym part, and that kind of spring this question on you, but. Do you consider like in the new gym for Xavier since with the Big East tournament and maybe play? I haven't looked at the St. John's where they played St. John's at, but was if it, there's a chance it was at Madison Square Garden? I would still consider it neutral site even if they played St. John's there because the 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 new gym is more of a like we don't practice and shoot there every day. We don't play 15 games there, that sort of thing. So even if they've played in that gym once or twice, I don't think that's a thing. I think it's a you need to be playing there you know, at least five, six, seven times or whatever. And practicing there a lot is the other thing is, is pr- just getting a lot of shots and looking at that background, being comfortable with that arena. Uh, and, and it's not a giant change. It's just, you know, dropping a point or so off the expectation. 
And that can lead to, you know, you drop a point here and a point there, you know, one point for each team. And all of a sudden that gives you the exact two point uh, differential that I've got here between my projected total and the actual total. I do think it's super sad that there might not be a back in Madison Square Garden. Like that was the big thing about the NIT, right? Like going to getting there to play in Madison Square Garden. It's not going to be the same if they're in Minneapolis or something crazy like that. Yeah, and you do wonder how that'll affect things going forward because part of part of the allure of the NIT is it's the second most coveted trophy, right? So it's I mean I'd still rather make the Final Four than win the NIT, of course, but. Aside from that, for these kids, I mean, playing at Madison Square Garden is an opportunity. You see the commercial, right? So many of the college athletes go pro in something other than sports, yeah. right? So many of these kids are never going to make the NBA. And especially when you get to the NIT, because they're not the best of the best. Maybe one of these kids, two of these kids will make the NBA at most. The rest of them never will. So playing at Madison Square Garden for some of them is a dream come true. And yeah, like you said, if you don't have that carrot, uh, because they now, at least if they go play in other cool arenas, I guess, but still, it's not, like you said, just not quite the same. Yeah. yeah, there's only there's only so many arenas that you're like going to play there is like a, a childhood yeah. dream, right, for, for a basketball player. So yeah. uh, right after that one gets done and you have our 30-minute break, it'll be scheduled for 9.30 Eastern, of course, who knows exactly when it will tip. Washington State will play Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a one-and-a-half-point favorite with a total of 133. I think you could look under here for similar reasons as listed above, but I think the best edge on this game is backing the Aggies. I rarely play money lines, but at the book that we're using for our official picks here, there's a slightly better edge on Texas A&M money line minus 130 than minus one-and-a-half minus 115. So my official play is an A play on Texas A&M money line minus one thirty. If you if your book has minus one and a half minus one ten, that might actually be slightly better than money line minus one thirty. It gets into some heavy math there, and it's a it's a relatively trivial difference. I think it's whatever you're more comfortable with. There's no harm whatsoever, no shame whatsoever in laying the point and a half, just hoping to avoid a one point Aggie win and saving yourself that extra juice there, going from minus hopefully you can get minus one ten to minus one thirty. I have mentioned this before. I just want to do as a public service announcement. The biggest issue with betting money lines is bankroll management. It's easy to not be profitable money line because you need to have a good handle on how to scale your bets. If you're backing favorites, money line favorites, they have to win a lot. And, and so it's like, you know, if you're backing minus 200 favorites, they have to win more than two out of three times. If they win 65% of the time, you're still losing money. So it's, it's just difficult because you can't just fire away and say, I think this team's going to win, right? So in general, unless you really know what you're doing, I advise against money lines. I recommend a, you know, you better really know what you're doing. Track things out before you put your actual money on it, um, especially because as the money line gets bigger and bigger, they add more juice there. It makes it hard to be profitable. So that's just a general public service announcement. When you're talking about something this close to zero, I think it's just preference. I don't think there's really a huge difference. I wouldn't stress too much about whichever one you want. If you want to lay the extra juice, I think that's fine. If you want to be a little more conservative there, lay the point and a half, I think that's fine. Either way. All of that rambling aside, I'm a professor. I'm good at rambling. With how the Ag's been playing, I think it's the only direction to look. Any accounting for the way that they've played lately takes this from a light to a love. The model thinks it should be Texas A&M minus three. But again, that's not accounting for just how good Texas A&M has looked over the past month or so. Any sort of shift on that based off of how good they've looked, that's what jumps it to an A play for me on Texas A&M. Jake, what do you got? Yeah, I love this Texas A&M team right now. Buzz Williams has got them going. They're playing their best basketball of the year. They're a very good defensive team. They're starting to shoot the ball a little better, which is like like throughout the year they were bad 
from the three-point arc, but that's starting to get that's starting to turn. Um, I think they're playing with a little chip on the shoulder by not making the tournament. And I, I think they should have made the real tournament, not the NIT. Um, but here, here they are. They got a good chance to win this whole thing. They've got a good. Chance. I think they're going to win this one fairly easy tonight. Um, Quentin Jackson is just an incredible player. He's a highlight reel waiting to happen. And Henry Coleman, uh, the second or the third, I can't remember which one he is, um, is very, very good, playing really, really good right now. Um, I think they'll dominate the class. I think they'll play very uh, – I really just don't like this Washington State team right now. Um, they, they played in a week, Pac-12, and did eh there, and where Texas A&M played in a pretty good SEC and – especially towards the end of the year, won some big games. I think that continues. And I had Washington State in the last game, but again, as I mentioned then, it was like it was against a weak BYU team. So it's like they've had a relatively easy path to get here. It's not like they've gone through some really good teams. Uh, so it's not really as impressive for Washington State. And you make the comment about Texas A&M. I don't know if it's uh, some sort of memory bias or something, but I swear it seems like in the NIT, every year there's a, like one team – that was snubbed from the tournament who plays with a chip on their shoulder and does really well and lights it up. And that basically goes out to, I, I went to Baylor when I was there in graduate school, they did that the year they won the NIT. They, sh they thought they should have made the tournament. They were a one seat and they rolled through the NIT and won. But then there also seems like there's one team who feels like they were snubbed and just like is upset and like loses in the first round. I'm thinking like Kentucky that year, they lost to Bob yeah. Morris, right? That sort of thing. So it's, it's all, you just never know going in how they're going to react to it, right? Uh, but Texas A&M definitely seems to be that team who's, like you said, playing with a chip on their shoulder and looks fantastic here. Uh, got a good chance to take home some uh, some hardware, uh, at least as their consolation prize for not getting into the big dance. Yeah, yeah, I, I really think they do. Uh, I just The way they're playing right now, I think they flipped the switch just a little too late, but they got it. Yep, yep, exactly. All right, well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picks with the Professor. A reminder, check out the Google Sheet for predictions at the website. That's www.pickswiththeprofessor.com. If you haven't done so yet, click that subscribe button to ensure all the sports betting content we provide is dropped right into your feed. We are off on Tuesday. Since this episode covers both the Monday and Tuesday games, we will see you Wednesday to break down these tournament title games, the winners of these four games, and the final four matchups. Until then, remember, you can eat your betting money, but please... Don't bet you're eating money.